my six-year-old daughter, Vivian, popped her head into my office. First, she knocked on the door a little bit, and I looked at her, and she opened the door, popped her head in, and said, Dad, Dad, can I get some puffles? I'm thinking, what the heck are puffles? <laughs> so uh, to give you context, I was on the phone. I had this computer problem with my uh, QuickBooks software that I had been trying to solve for the last three hours. I had gone through all the online forums trying to figure out what was wrong and how to fix it. And finally, I, I gave up and I'm calling the, the support uh, desk and they're telling me how much it's going to cost to give me the answer to the problem that, that I've got. And my daughter is, is asking me this question about puffles. And so like, I'm, I'm really agitated at this point. I'm thinking, okay, like, what is this? Um, and so I'm having difficulty understanding her because she's, she's whispering. And so I just like, I took a moment. I was like, okay, calm down. And so I said, what? And she's like, can I have some puffles? And I said, what are those? And she said, it's, and so she starts describing, and I realized it's these, these foam floor mats that, that we use that are multicolored. And she wanted to get a whole bunch of them and build them into a house in, in, in another part of, uh, in another room. And so uh, I said, yeah, sure, sure, go ahead and do that. So, um, and at the time I was just like, I was so frustrated with all the difficulty that was going on. And this day had gone completely different from what I had expected. Actually, the whole week had gone different from what I expected uh, on Monday. Monday, I had a whole bunch of dirt delivered to my house because we were trying to fix these areas in our uh, in our lawn and our yard that had been washed out. So I had this dirt and I was moving dirt all day long and I was putting down fertilizer and seed. So I was just, uh, I had done that on Monday and uh, that impacted me on Tuesday and Wednesday. I don't know if it was the dirt or what, but I was just exhausted. So here it is Thursday. I'm supposed to have my podcast done. <laughs> That's not done. Um, I'm on the phone with this three hour turn into four hour uh, problem. And so like filled with all this 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 anger and it's almost like this grenade inside and I'd like have to fall on it so that it doesn't explode all over my daughter. So she goes through my office and uh, goes in uh, goes into the garage and so I'm back listening to the guy. It's like, okay, how much is this going to cost? What's it going to take to do this? And then she comes and she again interrupts me. She's like, dad, dad. I was like, uh, what? And it's like, I'm having difficulty not exploding. And, uh, and she says, there's water all over the garage floor. I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, so she goes out of my office. I finish up with the guy on the phone and say, fine, I'll, I'll call back if I'm going to spend that money. Um, I look in the garage and there is, there's water leaking. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness. And it had leaked into some boxes and we had a, um, a foundation for a bed that was in there that was all soaking wet. And so I'm running through the house trying to turn off the water and, and fix the leak. And um, so at the time, like all this thing had, was just like exploding all over. And, uh, and finally, like, I, I was like, okay, calm down, you know, one thing at a time right now you need to deal with the garage that's beginning to flood out. So I finished that, got it, uh, got it taken care of. And a little bit later, my, my daughter came back in the office and she saw like I had fans on trying to dry things off. And she said, she's like, dad, you know, like, um, she's like, was it, was it okay that I told you that? And I was like, oh yeah, sweetheart, you know, thank you so much. You know, it was really good. You told me that because that was already starting to flood. That was going to cause far more damage. Like, I'm really, I'm really glad that you, that you came and you told me that. And she's like, okay, dad. And she gave me a, a smile and she, she walked out of the office and I was thinking, gosh, you know, like that interaction as I reflected on it spoke a lot about our relationship. Um, first of all, that, that she was, uh, she was willing to, uh, to knock on the door and ask me. So she, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't scared off to not come and interrupt dad during the day. And I've spoken my priorities, my first priority is God and then my wife and then my children and then my work or everything else. And like, and I was struggling to keep that, to keep that priority in line and do that. Um, but the fact that she came back and asked me a second time, like, was, was it okay that I told you that? Like, yeah, there was a leak. That was very much okay. 
but she was doubting a little bit. So on the one hand, I think, gosh, you know, when I'm annoyed and I'm having a tough time, uh, I, I can end up giving her the, the message that she's annoying as opposed to just the fact that I'm struggling right now. And how many times, like I did that with my older kids a lot. It was like, you know, I told you not to come in here. Well, sometimes they need to come in here. Sometimes they need to talk to me and it's, it is an emergency. Um, and so that there's that struggle that I, that I have as a dad and we have as dads, like, what am I communicating? Am I communicating that you're annoying or that just that I'm having a tough time? So the good news in that interaction was that I had built enough of a relationship that she felt comfortable enough to come in and ask for what she wanted and then even to ask for what she needed. As dads, one of our uh, biggest uh, difficulties is delayed results. Like we don't see right away the impact that our actions have on our kids. So what we sow today always bears fruit, whether good or bad. And then the question is, is like, okay, what, what fruit am I, am I sowing right now? Because the little interactions that we have make a big impact in the future. It's just, again, we don't see them right away, but today's interactions set the trajectory for, uh, for the future. Years ago, my wife's uh, Uncle Joe was praying at an abortion clinic, and there was a young uh, lady who was walking down the street, and she was, uh, she was looking at the numbers for each of the offices, and, and he noticed her, and he realized, you know what, she's coming for an abortion. So he backed up, and he stood right in front of the office number of the abortion clinic he w- where he was praying. And so she walked right by him, and as she continued on, she realized, wait a second, I must have missed it. And when she came back and she saw him standing in front of the address, she, she said, to him. She just addressed him and she said, you stood in front of that on purpose. And he said, yeah, yes, I did. And she said, well, why did you do that? And he looked at her and he said, because you don't want to come in here. And she said, well, why not? And he said, it's not a good place and, and you don't need to be here. And she's like, well, why is that? And he said, well, let me, uh, let me get you a cup of coffee and I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you why. And so she said, okay. She was kind of flustered. So he took her to, to get a cup, a cup of coffee. And he said afterward that he knew that if she had a cup of coffee, she wasn't going to be able to have an abortion at least that day. And when he went in and he, and he talked to her, he said like, you know, why, why are you coming here? And she's like, well, I'm going to have an abortion. I said, well, I, I knew that that was probably what was going to happen. And she, he said, what's your story? And so she started to tell her story and how, um, she had, you know, with her boyfriend, she had gotten pregnant and she couldn't tell her parents. And he said, well, why, why can't you tell your parents? And she said, well, my dad is a, is a Christian minister, and he's always told us that we shouldn't be involved sexually with somebody before we're married. And I did that. And like, I just, I can't bear to tell him. And so Uncle Joe said, you know what? I bet you that your dad would want to know that he's got a grandchild and he would want to help you in this moment. And she paused for a little bit and he's, and he's looked at her and he said, if you were my daughter, I'd want to help you in a moment. I bet your dad would too. And she began to tear up and he said, you know what? Why don't we give your dad a call? Because I think he's going to help. And so, uh, she, she was nervous about it, but they went ahead and did it and they called. And sure enough, her dad was like, Oh, sweetheart, let me, let me do what I can, um, to help you. And so, you know, it was one, it was great. You know, what a wonderful thing that happened. And that, that baby was, was saved that day. But if you look at that relationship, like what happened in that relationship, that dad had a good enough relationship that his daughter was willing to call, but she was only willing to call after she was encouraged by someone else. So there was definitely a lack there. I'm sure that dad said a lot of the right things, but there was one thing that needed to be said that he didn't say and communicate well. And that's, 
I love you no matter what. It's not just pastors with kids who struggle with pointing their kids in the right direction, but then also getting them to not only know the truth, but to trust their, their parents no matter what. Like we as parents, we struggle with that uh, as well. It's, it's difficult to do. Father Frank Provone, I was at a conference years ago with my wife, and he came in and he, and he talked to us. He's in uh, charge of Priest for Life, and he does a lot of uh, abortion ministry. And he, as he was addressing this audience of, of Catholic parents, he said, do you know what the number one reason is that, that when young girls come in and have an abortion, uh, that they say that, that they have the abortion? Is it's because they're afraid to tell their parents. It's like, that's it. That's the, the, number one, uh, the number one reason. And he said, this is the number one reason among Christian kids. And, the, and he said, the reason for that is because if, if in Christian families, when we're, when we're talking about what's right and what's wrong, we can actually, which is fantastic, we totally need to do that. But we have to be careful to not set our kids up so, so that if they, if they commit a sin, that for them becomes unforgivable. Like I can never, never tell my parents. Then they're really set up for that. There is a point where they feel like I'm not going to be loved anymore. And he went on to say that there's, that statistically, that of the girls who walk into an abortion clinic, 70% of them claim a Christian identity. So you start to realize like this is a huge problem uh, among Christians. I mean, he was looking at it saying like these, these girls who are having abortions are coming from your families. And we're like, oh, no, not our families. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's actually more uh, of a challenge when we've uh, upheld a moral standard. So he said, you know what you need to do about this? When you go home, tell your daughters, if you ever get in a situation like that, come to me, I will help you. And as a parent, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I, that's almost like giving my daughter a pass, my daughters uh, a pass. And he's like, no, no, it's not that at all. They need to know that you love no matter what. So what's the best way to, uh, to get our kids to trust us, to trust us completely? First of all, very simply, tell them that they can trust us, can trust you completely. Tell them, pull them aside, tell them, you can trust me no matter what happens. Second, Show them in the way that you respond when they tell you difficult things. When they come and tell you, hey, you know, dad, I broke this or that or this, this mistake happened. Um, first thing to do, like jump on the anger grenade inside instead of just blowing up and just stop and then look at them and say, uh, you know what? It must have been hard for you to, uh, to tell me that. You know, you know, thank you for coming and telling, telling me that. And let's, let's talk that through. So that's number two. Number three is look for opportunities when they've made a mistake and practice not freaking out <laughs> because if you don't freak out, it gives them the opportunity to believe that indeed the time will come that they can tell you something that's hard and you'll be able to take it and they'll be able to deal with your response. Now, back to the uh, my flooding garage. My annoyance of having a four-hour software problem and a daughter coming in and interrupting me twice and then ending up with uh, a flood in my gr garage revealed a lot about my relationship with God. Because if you look at it, and I, I started thinking about like what, what was happening internally uh, to me as, as that happened, I was questioning. I was like, you know, like, Lord, why me? <laughs> and then I was also saying, why now? And like, you know, haven't, haven't I already suffered enough this week? And so just listen to those questions. They reveal a lot about what my expectation is for life. I'm expecting that, you know, like that it should be easy, that it shouldn't be as difficult as I as I'm encountering right now. And if it's and if it's difficult, it shouldn't be difficult all at the same time. So the timing, I'm questioning uh, what's God doing to me, the his his timing, and then even 
when it comes to you know his timing and and his will like haven't i suffered enough it's like uh, like according to my plan like i'm done like i i don't want to suffer anymore but it's it's setting up i'm really revealing how i what i think is important in life what are the actual answers like if god was sitting right here with me what would he say in response and if i said why me he would say because i love you that's why you well why now and he would say because my timing is perfect it's like okay um haven't i suffered enough it's like well that's not for you to determine <laughs> it's like so you could just see that like my way of thinking is uh, my plan does not fit with God's and that you can look in the book of Job and the same thing. Actually, Job does a fantastic job when he has all these difficulty things, difficult things happen to him. He says, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. I wasn't saying that. But towards the end, Job justified himself. He's like, what, what have I done wrong to deserve all this? Aren't these the consequences that come to sinners? And when he tried to justify himself, instead of it just accept what God said, then God said, whoa, wait a second. Who are you to question me? And so God went, you know, were you there when the foundations of the earth were, were laid? And so he really, he laid into Job. And at the end of that, uh, Job was realizing like, you know, who, who am I to question God's goodness? And so he backed off and he said, I repent, Lord, like your will be done. You know what you're doing. You're like, I, I trust you. And what happened? After he did that, then God blessed him and restored the blessings to him. And so that's like a lesson for me practically is that when these difficult things are happening um, and I'm, I'm struggling with my daughter who's annoying me and the, the other problems that I have to turn and just say like, like, thank you for that, Lord. And because my daughter annoyed me, she saved me from the damage that would have happened you know, in, in the garage. So when I expect life to look like a, a trouble-free zone, I've lost sight of God's plan for goodness in all things. As parents, I think that we have an advantage compared to the rest of society, people who aren't parents, when it comes to understanding what God is doing in our, in our life. Because like, I want my children to, to grow, to get stronger, to learn. And so like, I, I stretch them. I, I want to make sure that they're educated. I make sure that they're out of bed and that they're, that they're clean and that they're, that they're growing. And so I know that as like, that's what it means to be a good parent, to get, to get my children, to be more, more virtuous. But I also have to understand, like, if that's what a good parent is, and if God's the best parent ever, that's what he's doing to me. You know, like he's doing that to all of us. He's testing us. And it was actually kind of shocking to me to think, well, wait a second, like this is a test? Like, yeah, this is, this is a test. Every moment of life is a test. God is testing us. He's proving us. He's refining us moment by moment. And I started to realize that like, there, I come across the different scripture verses which said exactly that. And I started to write them in the back of my Bible. It's like, well, this, this is a test. And here I'm complaining that it's a test. And uh, it, it is a test. And so I'm going to read a couple of scripture verses, one of them. In 1 Peter, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised that a trial by fire is occurring among you as if something strange were happening to you. And I was like, okay, you know, like you're already saying that, that you're going to put us through a trial by fire. And it's not strange. That's what God does. Another one from Deuteronomy. Remember how for these 40 years, the Lord, your God, has directed all your journeying, journeying uh, through the wilderness. So God was directing everything, every moment, not just then, but now for me too. And it says, so as to test you, and it's not just to test you in general, <laughs> to test you by affliction. So God allows for affliction to happen to test us. Okay, so why are you testing us, Lord? Uh, to test us, to know what was in your heart, to keep his commandments or not. 
So every moment of every day, like these testings, tests that happen, the purpose of this is for, uh, for us to follow his commandment because God is saying, are you going to love me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me no matter what? Just like I want my children to trust me no matter what, God wants me to trust him no matter what. And he throws more at me and then he continues to look at me. You still going to trust me? Are you still going to trust me? And when I trust him more and more like that, he's like, good. Now you're acting a lot more like me. Now you're looking more like my son because God trusts us and in trust to us, his heart and his love. Last one, in the book of Psalms, <laughs> there's this line that says, many are the troubles of the just man, of the righteous man, and our Lord uh, delivers him from them all. So it's like, wow, you know, if you're gonna do what God's calling you to do, you're gonna have difficulties, but God will deliver us. So when I realize that life is a test, I can stop, stop freaking out about another test and start responding, start thinking about how to respond well. One way to not respond well, a way to respond poorly to unwanted tests is to fear. And that's the worst way to respond. So like in the face of the, the flood of the difficulties, my tendency is to say, gosh, I don't have time for this. <laughs> um, I'm not enough. I can't get this done. Now I can't get done the other things that, that I want to do. So to put this in context, that like this is indeed God's will to, to uh, test us, but you know, fear is a common response. Father Ripperger, who is an exorcist, said that our Lord actually, uh, he allows demons to tempt us. He said, uh, Father Ripperger said, I was exercising this demon once, and uh, this demon knew exactly when our Lord was going to allow um, the demon to come in and cause difficulty and possess this, this woman. He knew approximately, the demon did, when he was going to be exercised out of the woman. And he had limitations as to what all he could do with her. And in this particular case, he could only mess around with her back. And so Father Ripperger said, you know, you need to understand these demons and Satan, they're dogs on a leash and they do God's bidding. Everything that they do is within, is contained within his will. And that's the only thing that they can do is they can do the, his will. And he said that the demons know that the tempting and the, and the challenging that they do to us actually makes us become, uh, it, it can purify us and it can make us be greater saints and it drives them nuts <laughs> that the way that they're tempting us is actually making us to be a greater lovers and to grow in, in holiness. But he said, the only power that the, uh, the demons have over us is fear. If we respond in fear, then they can grab us. But if we're, because they can't do anything that God, unless God allows them to do it. So like, why are we afraid? Because our father is the one who's allowing this. And so if he's the one allowing the, the, this, there's nothing for us to be afraid of. If we fear, then the demons, they do get, they, can, they have a control over us. And there's another line that's along, that gives the same idea of when it comes to uh, fear. Uh, you'll hear people say from St. Francis, pray as if, it depends on God and work as if it depends on you. Father Mike Scanlon in his book, uh, Appointment with God, he said, you know, that's a mistranslation of the original. The original said, pray as if it depends on you and work as if it depends on God. Because if we work as if it depends on us, we're going to fall into fear and we're going to try to work like crazy to take care of things. If we work as if it depends on God, we work, we work hard, but we trust that God will bring about the results. If we pray as if it, it depends on us and we see our own weakness, we realize, oh boy, it's not going to go well if it depends on me. And we will pray harder. So fear is the fastest way to fail because we focus on our inadequacy instead of on God's competency instead of his provision in all things.
That's what we need to do. Lastly, what's the best way to respond? What's the best way to respond to the trials that God sends our way? The answer is trust. Trusting totally in God's goodness. So when my daughter Vivian came in and, the, and she, she interrupted me once and then a second time and told me about the flood, God was providing uh, for me by warning me about something that if she hadn't told me when she did, that would have been far more, uh, far more damage. And so she saved me from that damage. But she also, uh, there was like me responding well to her and in charity actually saved the damage that would have happened in the future in our relationship if I had just snubbed her in that moment. And so uh, responding with trust, we can do that because we know that God never tries us beyond our strength. I mean, even he promises us that in scripture. And I had read in scripture, St. Faustina had said these amazing things about trust. Um, she had said uh, that, you know, sometimes you're in the midst of the fiery tri trial and it's so hard to trust in those moments. Great, okay, we're supposed to trust. What do you do when it really all hell is breaking loose? And so our Lord uh, said to St. Faustina, one act of trust at such moments when it's really difficult gives greater glory uh, to me, to God, than whole hours passed in prayer filled with consolations. So you realize like, oh my gosh, in the really difficult moments where it's really hard to trust, those moments are more powerful from a grace standpoint, from God's power. You're actually giving God more glory. Another quote, uh, Jesus said this, I do not reward for good results, but for the patience and hardship undergone for my sake. It's like, wow. Um, it's like I'm always looking for results and the results he wants is patience and, in, and enduring with charity and love You know the, the, the difficulties around me. Lastly, he said, uh, I seek and desire souls like yours. Yours, St. Faustina, you, you're such a trusting soul. Your great trust in me forces me continuously to grant you graces. It's like, what? Trusting God actually forces him to grant us graces? You have great and incomprehensible rights over my heart, for you are a daughter of complete trust. So it's like, wow, um, that in these difficult moments, when I trust, I'm actually, uh, God is going to bless me more and pour, pour more of his uh, gifts upon me. And then there's one more thing that it was really consoling is sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, I know I get the message. I'm supposed to trust and I'm supposed to trust when it's really hard, but sometimes it's just like too much. And there's a quote from Sister Faustina where she said, you know, some days, like I can't stand to be around people. And I thought, okay, you're a saint and you're saying that you can't stand to be around people. It's like, wow, that's amazing. And she said, like, I feel repulsed and a repugnance for the, for the other sisters. And she said, in those moments when I'm totally overwhelmed, the strength of the soul is patience silence and prayer. So remember that. And she said that I just endure it through patience, silence, and prayer. And then uh, when I feel better, when I'm more in, in possess, possession of myself, then I interact with people again. So the best response to the trials that God sends our way is to trust, to be patient and to treat our, the annoying people in our lives with charity. That's where the power is. This week with my family, we did the, a See For Yourself guide on uh, the theme, Dads Teach, and it was Dads Teach Hard Lessons. The See For Yourself approach is where dads use really cool YouTube videos. They show them to their kids and then talk about what they just saw. And then Strong Catholic Dad provides guides with video links in there with the questions and answers. And so we were doing one of those, one of those uh, guides. And again, the purpose of the guide is to build strong relationship with our kids, but then also to 
pass on the faith. And this guide was uh, was about uh, one of the videos, again, with uh, teaching hard lessons. This dad was trying to teach his daughter a lesson on modesty, and you've got to watch the video. Um, he he dressed immodestly for a family event to uh, for her to realize, like, this is what it looks like. But it was really interesting because at the end of that, uh, my six-year-old daughter, Vivian, I had said, well, the virtue of of modesty protects the virtue of chastity. And, and at six years old, she looks and she says, what's, she knew what modesty was. So I was happy about that, you know, dressed appropriately. Um, and she said, what's chastity, dad? And so she looked at me uh, and all my, my older daughters looked at me and my wife looked at me like, yeah, my wife has always said, you know, she gets the hard questions and I usually don't. I was like, okay, now I get the hard question. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And so I said, I said, sweetheart, uh, chastity, unchastity. So when people aren't chaste, it's when uh, a, a man and a woman will act like uh, they're they're married and they'll they'll like make a baby even though they're not married. And uh, my daughter goes, oh, you're like that's that's not good. And I said, no, sweetheart, it's not good. And then we moved on. And my daughters are like, well, that, that works. <laughs> so I uh, I was able to uh, to get through that, and it was good that you know that that came up, and and they were able to he- she was able to hear that in my household, you know, on the couch as we were watching this video. And then the last video was this really cool commercial from uh, from Thailand about a little. Uh, it's a reenactment about this little boy who is stealing. Uh, medicine from a pharmacy and he runs out of the pharmacy and the woman who owns the pharmacy comes out and grabs him and 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 starts saying like why did you steal this and is taking it from the little boy and a restaurant owner walks over and intervened and he said well hold on a second he said little boy why why did you steal this medicine she said he said because my mom is sick and uh and and he said okay so the restaurant owner pulls out of his own pocket and hands money to the the pharmacy owner to pay for the medicine and he turns to his daughter and he said bring bring a bag of soup and so she brings it over like oh gosh dad like why, why are you doing this like you're giving away our money and giving away our soup and they hand it to the little boy and the little boy runs off and so he goes and, and gives it to to his mother and then you fast forward 30 years in this video same uh, restaurant owner now his daughter is, is 30 whatever 34 years old and uh and somebody else shows up at the restaurant who is a, is a beggar and she goes dad you know there's there's another one and so he says okay give me a bag of soup and so he hands the bag of soup uh to this beggar and after he does this he starts to wobble a little bit and he falls over he had uh he must have had a stroke or something um and so the next scene they're they're in the the hospital and the doctor uh is saying you know he's going to need to have surgery and the, and the daughter's like gosh we don't have we don't have the money for this and then uh, you realize like and they show like what the bill is going to be and so she's like okay you know he has to have the surgery he's going to die so she puts the restaurant uh up for sale and the next scene uh she's at at his bed and and the, and she had looked at the bill and the bill was the equivalent of twenty five thousand dollars like how am I going to pay this? You know, I hope the restaurant sells. And as she's kind of weeping at his bed, um, a new bill is 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 there, and she looks at it, and it says the do- the dollar amount owed is zero. And it's like, well, how could this di- uh, be zero? And it says this was paid for thirty years ago by uh, a little bit of medicine and a bag of soup. And you realize that the doctor who was going to operate on her dad was that little boy from thirty years ago, and the hard lesson that this dad was teaching her daughter is being generous costs something, but it is worth it. And you will be paid back more than what you ever expect. And so that was cool. It was great for us to, uh, to spend that time together and have that interaction. And, uh, and then we asked the last question is like, are there any hard lessons that, that you, uh, that you've had to learn and that I had to learn? And so I told the story when I was a little kid, how I'd gone into the almond orchard next door and I'd taken some almonds off the tree and my mom found out about it. And she said, Michael, you know, we need to go and apologize. So I had to walk 
over to the house of the people who own the orchard and hold my little hand out with the almonds and say, I'm sorry for stealing these almonds. I was crying. Um, but I, like I told the kids, like I never forgot that. And I never stole almonds from that, uh, from that uh, almond orchard. Again, they're like, wow, you did that, dad? You stole? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did do that. And so again, it provided a great opportunity for us to talk about important things. So if you'd like to uh, check out the, the See for Yourself guides, uh, go to strongcatholicdad.com. Until next time, God bless. 